is the University of Michigan. Welcome back to Blue by 90. I am here today joined by Jack and Kalen as always. And we have the publisher of Wolverine Digest from Sports Illustrated, Brandon Brown, back with us. Recurring guest once again back on the pod. Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. I thought I, I didn't think I'd ever get another shot after I ran you guys around <laughs> two or three days last time. So appreciate you having me, man. Glad to be back. Yeah, no Glad worries. To yeah, absolutely. You you you've got a young young baby, so you get the pass with that. Um, we're just glad you've got a drink in your hand here today, and uh, and you can uh, you can join us for uh, some Michigan talk. Even though um, most Michigan talk has not been on the positive side lately, um, I did. We talked about it in our last podcast too, though. We do have some positive news from Michigan athletics. Not my, not Michigan football, but Michigan basketball is rolling and they got two five stars and I, I believe both five stars signed uh, the, their letters of intent today. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, basketball, not, not quite as deeply plugged into basketball as I am football, but obviously, I mean, you, you know, you see it on social media and getting a couple commitments within the, within the last two weeks from Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate. I hope I'm saying his name close to correct there, but <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, Juwan, man, killing it, you know, getting the, the the number one class in the country. Like that's, you know, I thought when they hired him, he'd be a good recruiter, but I think he's, he's, he's way out in front of where I thought he would be. And I think every, I mean, everybody would probably say that excited what he could potentially do. There was a lot of potential, but question marks and he is, he's answered the call for sure. So yeah, excited about what the basketball program is doing right now under Juwan Howard for sure. Basketball has been in the last week or two the savior for Michigan fans because it's been the only positive to talk about. So um, shout out Jamon Howard for coming in at, at, a, at a great time here and saving the day. Um, I do think the the one thing uh, I don't want to get too deep into basketball, but we are I think just two weeks away. We don't even have a schedule yet, but I think we're tipping off in two weeks. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but yeah, I, I think that. Uh, the only thing that Juwan Howard now has left to prove is a developing those players and then b uh, in game coaching. He needs to make sure that he is, which is why he has the guys around him that he does Howard Isley and, and some of these other guys. And so um, I, I think he's got to be able to, you know, use his rotation well and, and, you know, prove that he can uh, coach in game. Um, but the recruiting side, absolutely. Like you said, he's already, already off the charts. Um, so yeah, um, I, let's get right into, into football. Obviously we're still in football season. I know that half the Michigan fan base, maybe more would like it to be canceled or finished or never even have started. Um, but, uh, but we are, Wisconsin is coming up uh, this week. Um, they're one and two with losses to Michigan state and Indiana, as we all know, um, so let's go right into it with Wisconsin. Um, they haven't played in two weeks. The last we saw Graham Mertz was looking like a Heisman contender throwing for five touchdowns in about 
a thousand uh, passing yards. So what do you think we can expect to see from Michigan or sorry, from Wisconsin on the field this Saturday? Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. I've been thinking about this one a lot. I mean, it's just, you know, I talked to some people who cover Wisconsin and, and they're kind of in the same boat too. I mean, after not having played for two weeks, like who's available is Mertz even for sure available. I remember the timeline was kind of like, okay, he, he, he's positive today. 21 days would be the day after the Michigan game. But I think since then there's been, so oh, it was actually a couple days before. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, is, is it Graham Mertz and how's he look? Has he been practicing? Is he still, you know, in game shape? I mean, there's a lot of questions to ask about that. Is there anybody else that's going to be sitting out as of right now on what is this Wednesday night? They're going to play, but I mean, something could pop up within the next 48 hours and all of a sudden there is no game. So I, I this is one of the weirder ones, obviously, that we've seen a ton of games in the SEC getting canceled. I know it sounds like Ohio State and Rutgers is going to be or has already been canceled. So it's just like, you're, you know, you're hoping that they play and, and you hope that everybody's healthy, first of all, and then you hope that Michigan doesn't lay an egg again and look awful against another pretty good team. I mean, like, I don't know how they lose to Michigan State. I just can't – I can't compute that. Like, Indiana's a good team, but, again, Michigan hadn't lost to them since, I think, before any of you guys were born, and I was just a little a little guy. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think that Wisconsin is not as good as they were last year. You know, they lost Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs we've seen in recent years. But Mertz is the real deal. I saw him as a recruit and remembered thinking, like, damn, he's going to be a pain in the butt when he's at Wisconsin. And, and it's happened a little earlier with Jack Cohn getting hurt, but I don't know. I mean, it, it, do we see Jack Cohn? Do we see some of these other guys that they have sitting out? Or is there even going to be a game? So there's just a lot more, a lot more question marks, I think, going into this one than if it was like a regular year and we knew who we were going to see and we knew exactly how it was going to look on the field. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too. I, I was looking at Wisconsin, obviously they only played one game. They beat Illinois and I was looking at Illinois schedule and they are 0-3 Bad. with losses to obviously Wisconsin Purdue, and then Minnesota blew them out. Mm. And Minnesota's a team that Michigan made look bad, and who I think is a bad team. I mean, do we think Wisconsin is that good, or did they have a weak one just like Michigan, and maybe they come out and look not so great on Saturday? I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I think I think that's entirely possible. I do. I mean, Illinois... We actually just put up a story today of you know the Big Ten power rankings, and they were last. Like They look bad. They look really bad. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll, how many games they'll win this year, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's only one game too for Wisconsin to get a, to try to get a feel for what they are. And again, it could have been like we saw with Michigan in week one, just firing, hitting on all cylinders. I wouldn't expect Graham Mertz to only incomplete, only throw one incomplete pass again. I think that's what he finished with in that first game. Um, five touchdowns, like we said, I think multiple in the first half. So it's yeah, I find myself feeling about as uninformed about this one as I felt in it, about a game in a long time. So it's it's just you know kind of a wait and see. And then with Michigan too, like which team which team of them is going to show up? Jim Harbaugh hinted at some new tweaks and some new things that they've been working on. I don't know what that means, and maybe it's just lip service. I don't know, but it, yeah, lots and lots of unknowns and question marks for me. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking on, you know, Michigan fans part, hoping that the other team, you know, something happens, something trips them up and then we can squeeze out a win. I also thought it was funny if anybody saw I posted an article on our Facebook where uh, someone was comparing Graham Mertz to Russell Wilson. I was like, (laughs) oh, my gosh, if that's if that's how this game's going to go, like I might not even watch it. 
that's like Michigan fans, like comparing Joe Milton before he ever took a snap to Cam Newton and Pat Fair. Mahomes and everyone else. So um, I, at least that we know that there are other people as uh, crazy as us. So that's nice. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, it'll it'll be the problem with Wisconsin versus Michigan and the matchup for on the, on Michigan side is that it seems like they what what they have never done before is throw the ball well. And so then I was thinking, oh, well, Michigan might be okay then because they've been okay against the run this year. Well, guess what? Graham Mertz comes out and all of a sudden he's like unbelievable in the past. So I imagine that they're going to do the exact same shit as Michigan State and Indiana did and just chuck it up to their receivers. So um, I did see some some positives in the second half of Michigan versus Indiana, though, on the offensive side especially. Um, so I think maybe they, you know, the, the hopeful thinking for Michigan fans is that they build on that. What do you think on Joe Milton and his, uh, his, what he's done this year, maybe even in just the second half against Indiana? Um, do you think that he still, um, can be a great quarterback? Cause he's been pretty average so far, but he obviously hasn't much, had much help. I feel pretty good about Joe Milton. I do. I mean, he, he's been he's he was put in a bad situation last game didn't throw his first interception until it was like we're throwing all the time because they're losing so he's been taking care of the ball which was a big problem that a big concern that everybody had coming into the year accuracy yeah I mean yeah he's missed some easy ones he's still putting way too much mustard on certain throws when he shouldn't um but it's it is his third start I mean you got to give him a little bit of a leash and let him work his way into it I am absolutely dumbfounded as to why there were no designed quarterback runs last week. Now, I don't think there was one. Um, maybe one, but I know I think he carried the ball four times on the, in the box score, but I think sacks count towards that, and so do scrambles. I don't, I don't remember any of the keeper, any keeping on zone reads. I don't remember any, you know, power sweeps. I don't. They just didn't do it. And I know somebody said on Twitter that he had a wrap on his thumb and. If his thumb is so bad where you have to change your entire game plan and you can't even run the quarterback anymore when that's supposed to be a big part of the offense and something that he does pretty damn well, like then that's a he shouldn't be playing. I mean, if you like you if you have to alter everything you do because his thumb is hurting, then he probably shouldn't be in there because or it just, just just go down and put your thumb like protect your thumb if you're running. You know, I, it's it's. That, that's not that crazy. And, and from watching the game back, uh, to your point, I didn't, the only run he had, I believe was a scramble right up the middle on like third and 18 and he got about 12 yards. And so yeah. he actually did pretty well with the scramble, but the, his best passes in the third quarter and, and early in the fourth quarter were, was when he scrambled out of the pocket and, and got on the move. So if I'm Josh Gaddis, let's get Joe Milton on the move because it seems like the only time these Michigan uh, wide receivers get separation is when they have to get off their routes and kind of do the scramble drill. Yeah, it's just been uh, – I find myself just – it's like it's like Groundhog's Day, man. Last year, I don't know how many times I'm yelling at the TV like, Shay, keep it. Like, just keep yep. it one time yeah. and run around the end for – there's nobody there. And then, I mean, here we are again, seeing it with Joe Milton, who's bigger, stronger, fa- faster. I mean, like, uh, it, it just – it's so frustrating. I don't feel – and then you – so you watch Michigan. You watch them lose to Michigan State. You watch them get boat raced by Indiana. And then the next game, whatever it is, comes on after that. And it's just like offense is just – I'm just like, 
is it that hard? Is it really that hard for Michigan to do some of those same things? They they have talented players. They've got speed at receiver. They've got versatile running backs. They've got a talented quarterback. They just make it look so hard on on offense sometimes. And then obviously, you know, the problems that have been there all year for on defense with the corners on it. It just it it looks like they're fighting themselves so much on both sides of the ball and just cannot can't get out of their own way. Penalties, discipline. It's just. Everything feels like it's coming off the rails right now. I don't know why that is. I don't know how that can be in year six when you've got some talent. It just it makes it just makes you it makes you go crazy. It really does. And whether whether you're a fan or not, I mean, you can hear it in the analyst voices. Like Brock Heward was like, "What do we want? What is this? What are we watching?" And, you know. And now you, we've seen the comments this week from Urban Meyer. He's like, "There can't be that big of a drop off. That's Michigan and Indiana. Like, why did it look like that?" And uh, it, it is. It's just really puzzling. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying I know more about football than Josh Gaddis and Don Brown, but it seems pretty damn obvious to every single person watching that it shouldn't. It doesn't. It shouldn't look how it looks, and it shouldn't be coached how it's being coached. But they they just. I mean, two or three weeks in the season already, we just see it week in and week out. Yeah, and go. I mean, you brought up the coaching. I mean, you've you've put out a number of articles, you know, going on the coaching, and you've been very vocal about your disappointment in what you've seen so far this year. I mean, what's your take on Harbaugh, Don Brown? I mean, who do you think's to blame here? Yeah, I think it's, I think you can spread it around. I really do. I mean, like I just, you know, I talked about the weird calls on offense. We talked about, everybody's talked about spending so much on man-to-man coverage with Vincent Gray and Jamon Green, who just frankly don't look good enough to do it. I mean, I, I like, you know, I covered those guys as recruits. I don't want to disparage a player. They're, they're 18, 19, 20 year old kids trying to do the best they can. I'm not going to dump on them like you maybe would a pro, but they just don't look good enough. And if if a coach who's been coaching as long as Don Brown has been can't recognize that and switch up or change up or put his guys in a position to succeed, I don't. What do you do? I mean, you you can't you you can't let guys that really aren't superstars, Ricky White. I keep calling him Ricky White. Is it Ricky White or Ricky? Yeah. Ricky White. Ricky White. Called him Ricky White. Times yep. this that past week. Ricky White. And Ty Freifogel having like career day. Ty Freifogel had a career day in the first half against Michigan last week. He had the most receiving yards he's ever had as a Hoosier in the first half last week. Jesus and Christ. We know White went for 200 yards in it almost in, two, in a touchdown. That's not working, Don. It's just not working. So you, you got to fix it. You got to change it. I know I'm preaching to the choir. We've all seen it. We've Again, the analysts are talking about it after every long play. Uh, they're, they're just trying to go deep and catch the ball or they're trying to draw a PI or they're trying to draw a defensive holding and it's working every time. And it's resulted in two bad losses. And then on the offensive side, again, if Joe Milton was a little dinged up and and that's why they're altering the play calls, I get it. But again, it's not working and they just keep trying to do the same thing against Michigan state. It was like inside zone after inside zone after inside zone and the rushing attack looked awful. And then against Indiana, it gets even worse. They had 13 yards, man. Like it's it's just it's just puzzling how dudes who know so much about football clearly they know so much about football and they're being paid handsomely to do a better job than this they're just not and like I don't know if I should say is I don't I probably shouldn't say who but one of the Michigan coaches texted me after the game because of some of the tweets I put out like I know these dudes personally I talked to them about recruiting during the offseason some of them I've had a relationship before they got to Michigan and I tweeted out, like, the Michigan coaches shouldn't have jobs after this game. And one of them was like, bro, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, sorry, dude, it's a results business. And I've, I run a website. I don't own it. Sports Illustrated does. If it's terrible and it's in the tank and it's losing every week, 
I get fired. That's what happens. Like in the real world, if you suck at your job, you don't keep your job. And so it it just is what it is. I mean, it's kind of harsh and like, yeah, those dudes have families and I, it's nothing personal, but like the, the announcers are baffled. The fans are baffled. We're all baffled. I just, I don't know how it can look like that at a place like Michigan that has so many resources and seemingly has a, has everything you really need on paper to win those games at least. I'm not saying they're going to go out and beat Clemson and beat Alabama and beat Ohio State and beat Georgia regularly, but once in a while would be cool. And then beating the teams that you need to beat is is the expectation, just bottom line. Ooh. We got Brandon fired up, guys. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> and Brandon, obviously you brought up the secondary, right? Like, you know, I feel like Don Brown's taking all the heat for that, but you don't hear a whole lot about Zordich getting a lot of heat from it when he's supposed to be developing these guys to be able to to be able to do their job. I mean, how much blame do you think he should be getting? Yeah, Jack, it's, actually, I want to tag on to that question as well because I saw Zordich was on, like, Inside Michigan Football Program, and he seemed to be echoing what Jim Harbaugh was saying after the game about, like, hey, we're seeing these guys perform in practice, but we're not seeing it in the game. There's a disconnect. Uh, just to tag on to Jack's question as well, I mean, do you think there's that's just coach speak, just trying to make excuses, or is there maybe a real problem there? Yeah, that one's tough. I mean, that's another one of those answers from Harbaugh where you don't know. You don't know. You don't know if it's coach speak. You don't know if, like, they really are puzzled. Like, man, that's a play Vincent Gray makes 10 times out of 10 inside the field house. Like, you know, the the, the I think it was the touchdown to Freifogel. He was, like, in step. He, he I mean, he looked back, hand up, and the ball just glanced by his hand, and Freifogel catches it for a touchdown. That would be a play where I'd be like, we see him make those plays. We know he can make that play. He's right there. He's not getting burnt. He didn't fall down. Just unlucky, bad luck in that particular instance. So I would imagine there's probably some truth to that. I mean, look, we I say this all the time. Every year when a quarterback struggles, people say, like, well, why isn't Dylan McCaffrey playing? And I've already heard people this year, like, get McNamara in there. And I'm just like, <laughs> like guys, they're, they're not putting crappy players in the game on purpose. Like, that that's – that doesn't do very much for them and their profession and what they do. Like they're going to play the guys that are the best at the position. So, we, you know, I think it was after the Michigan State game, Jim Harbaugh said that Vincent Gray was his best corner. That worries me a little bit, but I think he's probably telling the truth. He probably is the best corner on the team. So you expect him to make those plays. You know, back to the original question, it, it it's tough with to put much blame on Zordich for me because he's not the one saying we're running man to man all the time. And it's one-on-one out there. And I hope you, I hope you do well. Sure. He's coaching technique. And if, if it's a constantly, constantly a thing about like they're not looking back or they're way out of position or their, you know, their footwork isn't right. I, you know, the holding in the, in the pass interference, like that probably falls on Zordich a little bit more. If he's teaching them to be real grabby and real handsy with them, then that probably needs to be toned down a little bit, but I still find myself not putting as much on a position coach as I do a coordinator. I just think that's kind of the natural, I mean, that, you know, it, it trickles down. It's, it's head coach, it's co- offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, then the position coaches, just like it is with the players. The quarterbacks always get more blame than anybody else. Even if there's drops, it seems to always come down to, well, look at the quarterback's completion percentage. Like, well, he put it right on the dude's chest and he dropped it. That one shouldn't count against him, but it does. So I, Zordich also gets the benefit of the doubt for me a little bit because he's been so good before. I mean, he, we, you know, Michigan's had some of the best corners in the Big Ten for a handful of years. Um, you know, again, talented guys who are playing on Sundays now in a couple cases, but I, I still think it's expecting guys to do things that they, they don't look like they can do on a regular basis. And we saw it 
we saw it last year too. I mean, it was Josh Metellus chasing receivers who run four, four, like Josh Metellus is a four, six guy. He's not catching that dude. Like, why do you keep asking him to do it? So uh, for me, it's more Don Brown than it is Zordich, but I mean, it's, it's, it's across the board at this point. It really is. I mean, maybe I was coming in a little hot with no coach should keep their job. I think there's probably two. If I was whoever the next head coach is at Michigan, whenever that is, if it's this year, two years, three years from now, there's, there's probably three or four coaches on that staff that would get on. If it was me, that would get a hard look for staying on board. And Zordich to me would be one of them. So that's, that's where I'm at with that. So I, you know, you're talking about kind of coaches, coaches being blamed versus the talent blamed. And you're the recruiting guy, obviously you, you at WolverineDigest.com is, is where you guys can find him. And I'm going back into our, our recruiting classes and every year Jim Harbaugh's had a top 10 class pretty much except for 2018, which 2018 has Jamon Green, has Sammy Faustin, has Vincent Gray, has these guys that are on the field right now. And all those guys are three stars. And so I think what we're seeing is three-star talent on the field. And this is what you get if you can't recruit at that top 10 level and get four or five stars. And and there's something to, you know, developing three stars into into better players or or getting the best out of your guys. But even, you know, Miles Sims, who was the one four-star corner in that class, is now at Georgia Tech. He transferred. So um, I, I, I think that as much as you want to shit on Don Brown and, and Zordich and, and all these other coaches, I mean, it is, you do have to hold them up to the recruiting because recruiting is part, of their, is part of their job as well, right? Um, but it, it's just it's something with the talent level here that these guys are, are three-star guys, and, and we're getting three-star production out of them on the field against other guys out there. You know, Indiana it has pr- probably has some four-star wide receivers that they're, that they're playing with. I, I don't think Ricky White's a, a four-star guy, but um, it's not the talent level that we've seen in the past. Like Lavert Hill and those guys are, are four, four-star players, and we got the best out of them. So we're just seeing a, a drop in talent, and it's starting with the recruiting in this class. I'll say a little bit on that. I, I'm I'm not in the like stars don't matter camp, but I think there is you you can look a little deeper and somebody I I used to cover recruiting exclusively at the Wolverine.com. That was all I did. So back when these guys were being recruited, that was all I covered was was their process and you know where they came from. And to me, especially with the, the two starting corners right now, Jamon Green and Vincent Gray, whether I think Jamon Green was actually a four star on rivals, maybe not on twenty four seven. Vincent Gray was a three-star on both, I'm pretty sure. But to me, it's in, in those instances, and specifically, I can speak to them specifically because I covered them. It was more about who wanted them and how hard they were being recruited by other programs. And it it, it wasn't on it wasn't on par with 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 a, with Michigan, if you, in my opinion. Vincent Gray was committed to Missouri before before he flipped to the Wolverines. Both German and Jamon Green were at a big time program in Texas and I don't think either of them had an offer from Texas. I don't think them had offers from Texas A&M. I mean, so when you when you start to look at these kids that are at Michigan right now, I think it I think it goes beyond stars even to look at, you know, cuz you see this every year. It's like, "Oh, Michigan State got a commitment from that kid over Michigan." I'm like, "Well, the Michigan coaches haven't talked to that kid in 9 months." So he might have got an offer when he was a sophomore, 
But that doesn't mean that he could have committed to Michigan today when he picked Michigan State. That's just one, you know, random hypothetical example. You see that all the time. You see the tweet, so-and-so commits to SMU over Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, Oklahoma. And I'm like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Those offers came through when he was a 6'4", 215-pound freshman. And now he's still 6'4", 215 pounds, and he's slow. So that's why he's going to that school. So it's a little deeper than that than just the stars, but I'm I'm with you, Justin. I think it is a talent thing. Um, I mean, you can you can put just put on the tape and watch them grabbing and pulling and chasing and getting beat on deep balls and not adjusting to the ball. And Jamon Green's had his hands on five balls this year probably and hasn't caught one yet. Um, yeah, so I, I'm with you. I think it's just a, a kind of a product of what they've brought in. And and again. Jim Harbaugh used to get the benefit of the doubt with those guys. I mean, you saw a lot of three-star guys outperform their rankings and become big-time players for Michigan and make it to the league. I mean, Khalid Hudson's a prime example. Probably was underrated coming out of high school, but was a tweener. Didn't really have a position, but they found one for him. He was very good at it, and now he's, you know, playing for the Redskins. So or the Washington football team, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think you see a little bit. Of, it's a it's a lot of a lot of things. It's 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 coaching. It's technique. It's talent. It's it's a lot. There's a lot going going on right now in Ann Arbor for sure. And looking at the secondary too, just to go back to those two guys, Jamon Green and Vincent Gray. Um, honestly, I didn't remember that Jamon was a four star guy. But looking at the film this year and just watching the game, Jamon has seemed like he's been the number one DB to me personally. He looks like he's covering the defenders better. Clearly, he's not getting called for as many penalties as Vincent Gray has. Um, what's your take on that? I mean, do you th- do you think the coaches actually believe Vincent Gray's the number one guy, or do you think Jamon Green, you know, could be that number one? I think right now it's probably kind of by default. Vincent Gray has played a lot more, a little bit more comfortable being on the field. Jamon, um, both of the both, I know we haven't seen much of German, but I remember covering both of them because it's kind of cool that Michigan got twin brothers from Texas. I remember I never saw him play in person in high school, but I, I talked to a lot of people that did. You know, their coaches watched a lot of their tape, and they they were both kind of touted for just being kind of freaky natural athletes, really long, can really. And and we've kind of seen that. I mean, like like you just said, not as much not as much glaring um, weaknesses in my opinion. But again, hasn't you know Jamon hasn't played that much and is kind of thrust into the situation against teams that are taking shots at those guys because they saw it against Michigan State and it worked. And so mm-hmm. um, you know, Daxon Hill has done a great job of pretty much taking the number one away from each opponent. Rashad Bateman didn't go off. Um, Jalen Jalen or Jaden Green. For Michigan State, the real fast, speedy number five went off against Rutgers, had one catch for 18 yards against Michigan. And then Watt Fillier had a lot of catches, but most of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. He only had like 75 yards receiving on 10 or 11 catches. So he, I wouldn't really say he went off. He got his hands on a lot of balls, but he didn't really do much with it. It was Fry Fogel. It was Ricky White. It was the other guys going up against Vincent Gray and Jamon Green who were kind of getting, having their way. So you know, ranking them right now, it's uh, I think it's I think it's pretty close. I mean, I think Vincent Gray is is probably a little bit more confident, although I would assume that's shaken at this point. But yeah. neither of them look like okay. That, I'm put that guy on the other team's number one, and that guy's cool for the day. I don't say that about either of them, and that's that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, not looking forward to going up against uh, you know Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba or whatever his name is. That's <laughs> Fucking a. They're going to light us up. 
I said that after the Michigan State game and then again getting ready for the Indiana game. I'm like, Ohio State's got four guys way better than both of those dudes. So what does that look like? <laughs> you only got one Dax Hill. Uh, so <laughs> you better figure it out uh, in a couple of weeks here. They're going to come out five wide, like all game, and just say, we're going to go deep nearly every time to try to stop us. We're and playing that prevent defense from Madden, right? We're going to yeah. give up like 30 yards a game, uh, a pass just so we don't give up a touchdown and get beat deep. <laughs> that could be, I mean, if I had to guess right now, that's going to be the worst, the worst loss of, of the Harbaugh era to Ohio state. And the last two have been horrible. I mean, like what last year was like, what? 34. What was the score? 39? No, not 39 in the thirties. I think it's going to be 40 plus this year based on what we've seen so far. I mean, Ryan Day, man, he wasn't he wasn't messing around when he said he was going to hang 100. I, I, I mean, I think it's a legitimate thing that could happen this year. That dude is a savage. He will not let up. He will not take knees. He will not stop throwing the ball. Um, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't have the personnel in to take a knee. <laughs> yeah. So I had to run it up to 100. I'm pretty sure anybody could uh, take a knee. You just literally fall down and you're good. Um, so. Did he say that after that late touchdown? Is that what you're referencing? Is that what that was? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That won me 50 bucks, by the way. So I'm <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Like the latest backdoor cover I've ever seen right there. Hey, that's a smart Michigan is – you can have your heart broken by the Wolverines, but win money on the Buckeyes. <laughs> you can check my Bovada account for last week and see where I put my money in that Indiana game, too, if you want to. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a smart play as well. And appa- I, I haven't seen the line since it opened, but apparently Michigan's favored against Wisconsin, too. I looked at it today, and it looked like it was Wisconsin by three and a half. I thought it was Wisconsin. And another close one, though, yeah. Another yeah. really close one. Yeah. All right. I, I, it might have started at Michigan and then probably I'm assuming Wisconsin got hammered right away to flip the line. But um, yeah. So so one thing I did want to ask you about on the on the recruiting side as well. I know you're not as deep in recruiting as you were once, um, but we saw after the Michigan State game, um, Rayshon Benny flipped. I, I wouldn't say he flipped because he wasn't committed to the Wolverines, but um, he was heavily favored to go to Michigan and then kind of last minute was very favored to go to Michigan State and then committed this week. Um, how much does that really have to do with this year's Michigan-Michigan State game or what we're seeing just from Michigan in 2020 and also Michigan State in 2020? Or, or has that been a long time coming? You know, normally I would say not much. Normally, in just about every other occurrence, if we wanted to look back and think about like, oh, I thought he was going here and then he went there. I normally think it doesn't have much to do with just one game. Um, very rarely. I mean, these kids have been building this this uh, this relationship and looking at the schools for three and four years in some cases. Some of them get their offers before they even get to high school. So normally I would say it has nothing to do with it. You know, they were going back and forth. Maybe it was a, a little, you know, a drop in the bucket here, another drop in the bucket there. You know, this coach said this, this coach said that. I think there's just, there's way too much that leads into it. But Benny specifically, this last one felt a lot more like it had to do with that game specifically than, than another one I can think of. I know a couple of years ago, Zach Harrison, when Michigan got destroyed by Ohio State, that felt like that swung it quite a bit as well. 
Um, but most of the time, I don't think that one game, you know, one outcome has much to do with it. I'm, at the same time, though, Benny was supposed to commit in mid or early October, and he, he canceled that commitment date, which was obviously way before the Michigan State game. But it, that one had a feel of like, he's going to Michigan, he's going to Michigan, he's going to Michigan, Michigan State's hanging in there, hanging in there. Oh, they beat Michigan. Yeah, I'm going there. It kind of felt like that. I never talked to him directly about it. Uh, I've talked to his coach a little bit and he kind of told me, he's like, I, he's like, I think state might have him. And this was before, this was before that game happened. So I think, I think he was kind of leaning that way already, but I do think Michigan state winning in that first matchup when nobody gave him a shot, I think he was kind of like, all right, I believe in what Mel Tucker's doing. You know, they did a good job recruiting me. That That's where I'm going to go. And that's a, that's a big miss, man. I mean, that was one of Michigan's top defensive tackle targets that they, they needed to get that kid. Um, you know, I don't think in terms of, I'm not knocking him cause he picked Michigan state, but I don't think in terms of like talent, he's like, Oh my God, that's a make or break kind of kid. He's really good. Was, was actually viewed as an offensive tackle earlier in his career, but Michigan always liked him on defense, but just the way that it went and how bad Michigan wanted him. And the fact that he kind of did flip at the end is, is that's not good. That's not a good look for what Michigan's trying to do in, in state at all. And I think the big, the big, big part of that is that he's very good, and Michigan hasn't gained a commitment uh, from a defensive tackle since Greg Madison went to Ohio State. So they are in that. desperate need. Uh, isn't that a crazy stat? I mean, it seems like Greg Madison was here 17 years ago. I mean, obviously it's only been what three years? Uh, I believe. I think two. 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 Yeah. yeah. Either way, though, man, like that, it, a, def, a defensive tackle, I don't think people realize how important that is to a defense to plug up the middle right there and stop. And the fact that Sean Nua has not gotten a single commit is very troubling for the future of that defense. Um, you can have Salt and Pepper, you can have Josh Uche and Chase Winovich and whoever you want on the edge, but if you can't stop anything up the middle, um, which even the five-star Mozzie Smith doesn't seem like he can do right now, then you're in trouble. And so for the future, when, when the defensive tackles like Rayshon Benny are flipping, um, it doesn't look good. Um, so yeah, let, let's, uh, let's move on from, from that to, um, I mean, shit, let's get into Harbaugh, I guess. Cause, cause everybody wants to talk about it. it I mean, it's, it's been a, it, Harbaugh has been on the hot seat since he came, since he like lost to Utah in his first game. Right. It was like, you know, it was like everyone was done with the experiment after game one. Um, but um, it just, we've talked about it here, um, you know, a lot and everybody's talked about it. He, he doesn't seem like the same guy. He doesn't seem like he's moving things in the right direction. Um, what do you think of, where Jim Harbaugh's head is at right now. Where what is he thinking? Is he th- still thinking long term here? Is he thinking I can still do this, or is he like, ah, oh, they're still gonna pay me seven mil. I'll I'll collect a paycheck. Uh, I'll win my eight to nine games. Obviously this year not, but um, you know, and, and and we'll call it a we'll call it a day. Complicated question. I first of all the money thing. I don't think Harbaugh operates that way. I really don't. I know he's been paid really well and he's a rich dude and he's got a big contract. I really don't think that has ever been a big factor for him in terms of like I'll go take that job just because they're gonna pay me a lot. I don't think he's wired that way. Um, 
I mean, dude, nobody wants to do better at their job than that guy. I mean, he's you know he's he's Captain Comeback Man. He's a he's as true of a Michigan man as there is. I think that I think that whole movement needs to die anyway. But he doesn't, and he he's he's as plugged into that as he could possibly be. You know, Bo was like his second dad. Um, you know, his he he grew up part of his childhood in Ann Arbor. Um, it's that's a really hard question. Where is his head at right now? I really think so. After the Michigan State game, the press conference, which obviously is via Zoom, we're not in person this year for any of the media stuff, but that was the most drained, dead, just defeated look I've ever I've ever seen him. And that's after 30-point beatdowns from Ohio State, and that's after, you know, the JT was short game, and that's after the bad loss to Iowa that probably, you know, kept him out of the playoff hunt a couple, you know, three, four years ago, whatever that was. He just looked like beat down just beat down at worse than the Michigan State fumble return I mean like it was wow that was really bad I just lost that game that's what it looked like to me um you know I know there's every year there's every single year he's been here there's been talk about him going to the NFL I think this year it's got the most legs you you can't you can't help but you can't who's gonna take him (laughs) it's actually would still I I think I think a lot of teams still think that he's better suited for the NFL and it just, it would just work out better. Um, I mean, the jets are probably going to have an opening. The Falcons already have an opening, the uh, the have an opening. There's going to be some jobs that are not horrible. You know, the jets is pretty horrible, but if they get the number one pick, <laughs> those are all pretty fucking bad, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> looks a little bit better, maybe come April or May, but I, uh, Man, it's just you can't ignore the fact that he doesn't have a contract extension. I heard the I don't I haven't fact checked this, but I I think it's worth mentioning. And if you guys have heard otherwise, you can shoot me down right away. But I heard the other day that he's the only Power Five conference entering the last year of his contract. Only Power Five conference coach entering the last year of his contract. I think that wow. was right. That's, yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, what 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 other team is not telling recruits that is not telling? I mean, like everybody's gonna fo- everybody's focusing on that right now, and I do think that. Being in a pandemic and, you know, you don't want to re-up a coach for $7 million a year when everybody's getting axed. I, I get the optics a little bit, but the optics about everything else are pretty shitty right now, too. So, like, it, I, it's a, that's a really hard question to answer because we just – Jim's a weird – he's kind of a weird dude. He's aloof. You don't know if what he's saying is really what he means or if there's some, you know, some other meaning behind it or if he's, you know, keeping things close to the vest or whatever. I, I don't think money's an issue. I don't think it's what, what you said, Justin, like, oh, I'm getting $8 million to work, to win my eight or nine games. I'm cool with that. I don't think that's it. I think he wants to win more than anything. He's a competitive dude. I think he still probably thinks he can, even if he might not, like, truly believe it in his heart that he that he's the guy. But um, he doesn't want to get fired. Nobody wants to get fired. He doesn't want to walk away on his own because that pretty much admits that he can't get the job done. I think I, I just put an article about this today. I think if he leaves, it's got to be a, a, a job in the NFL. I think that's the only thing that gets him out of there. I, I really do. I just don't. Ward Manuel is not going to fire him, and he's not going to quit. So, what you know, what does that do? Where, where does that leave the program, especially like I said, without that extension or with no extension sitting out there? It's it's a tough spot right now for him and for the program. And do you think that? Uh... I mean, let's let's say this does happen. You know, Michigan doesn't extend in or, or he doesn't come back or he takes a job in the NFL. Who would be your top pick? To you, who who do you think that Michigan could actually get to replace yeah. him? 
Probably Bill Belichick, if I had to say. No. I'm, <laughs> there we the go. Answer, there we go. Some of the answers on uh, some of the suggestions on Twitter, I'm just like, it's just like facepalm gif one after another. Honestly, one after though, like the number one, I think it was Scott Bell put it out on Twitter. And, you know, he's kind of a comedian on Twitter, but yeah. like number three on that list, it was like Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle. Seriously, people put Urban Meyer as like a top choice. It's like, <laughs> dude, look. I, if he would take it, I would hire him like that. Oh, like, I mean, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't absolutely. hire him fast enough. I, I, saw, I saw a really interesting tweet. It was another sports media person. I don't remember what market they were in. I'm, I apologize for not giving them credit because I'm going to plagiarize their tweet. But they said <laughs> they they said if, if, if everything was exactly the same, exactly the same, but Urban Meyer did everything he did at USC instead of Ohio State, He'd be he'd be the number one target for Michigan 100%. by a billion miles. But the the simply the fact that he coached at Ohio State, like everybody's like, no, not even an option. I think that's dumb. I mean, if you want to go back to like the whole Michigan man thing, like where did Bo come from? Everybody knows where he came from. Exactly. Like the best coach out there. I don't really know if Urban would take it. I remember there was some talk that in one of his early contracts that he wasn't allowed to take any other job except for. Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Michigan, I think, was like kind of all linked as jobs that he could potentially lead for. Um, he's an Ohio guy, I think, right? And he he, he coached. He was a, a graduate assistant at Notre Dame, so that Midwest vibe is there for him. Um, it seems like just an insane pipe dream. I mean, like I said, I would take him in a heartbeat because he it would be he'd it would be the greatest accomplishment ever if Jim or if uh, Urban Meyer like. Went seven and zero against Michigan at Ohio State, and then went undefeated against Ohio State at Michigan too. Like, yeah. if he turned this around, that would be like, I mean, you're you're it. Better than Bill Belichick at that point. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the the who would you get argument is of course what everybody comes to right away. Like Jim's winning seventy three percent of his games. Who are you gonna get that can do that? And I, my answer is there's a lot of guys who could do that at Michigan. If I'm being honest, I think a lot of guys who know their stuff and, and are running wide open offenses. That, that first, that'd be one of my stipulations. I don't want a defensive guy. I want an offensive guy who's going to put points on the board and it's going to keep pace with all these other teams that are scoring 40 and 50 a game. I was just saying the other day, like Florida and Georgia, two of the most historically dominant defensive SEC grinded out, kill you on defense types of teams were playing against each other. It's 38 to 21 at halftime. Defense is dead, bro. Like you need to get a guy who can score now Big plays, explosive plays, 30 points at halftime, 45 points, 50 points at the end of the game. That's where college football is nowadays. Joe Burrow, you know, those kind of offenses, you know, a guy goes from nobody to the number one pick in the draft because of offense. That's what it is. So I know Brent Venables is probably like the sexiest name, and that's who everybody seems to want the most. I just don't know if I would go after a defensive guy. I really don't. I don't know if that would be my move. I would go after an offensive guy. So, Maybe it's Tony Elliott, offense, Clemson's offensive coordinator. Maybe it's, you know, Matt Campbell, Jason Candle. I mean, can you go from coaching coaching Michigan? Like, they tried that with Brady Hoke. That didn't work. Um, I don't know. It's a tough question. It is because you, you think, like, you think Jim Harbaugh and you automatically think, like, he's just really good because he's Jim Harbaugh, but he's not been really good. He hasn't been really good. He's, like, 26 and 18 over his last 44 games. That's not – that's – that's 63% of his That's of bad. a winning percentage. Yeah. There's a lot of coaches that can do that, win 60% of their games at Michigan. So 
Oh, man, I, we put an article out that kind of just listed some names of, you know, potential candidates. It wasn't in order. It wasn't like, go get this guy. It was just like, here's some names to look at. Matt Campbell, yes. Luke Fickle, uh, Jason Candle. I said Lance Leopold, who won like a thousand games and lost three at Wisconsin Whitewater. But again, like Wisconsin Whitewater to Michigan, he's at Buffalo now, but that's a massive jump. I just, you wonder if coaches like that can handle that kind of thing. Everybody just wants to find the next Lincoln Riley, find some offensive-minded guru who's 32 years old, hire him, and he takes your program to another level. That's what everybody wants. And there might be 10 of those guys out there, but if you pick one that's not, then you get Brady Hoke and you get Rich Rod again, and nobody wants that. So it's it, – that's – you know, I don't – I'm not Ward Manuel. I don't have to do that, but it's fun to talk about. <laughs> there's there's not really an obvious answer to me at this point. That's That's what makes it tough. It seems like every year there's kind of like, you know, one or two guys who are like the the top, 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 choices for open jobs i don't know if any you know if usc has a coaching vacancy like who are they getting you know i just think that's kind of a a broad question across the whole scope of college football right now yeah it feels like jim harbaugh is like dealing with a curse right like i saw some stat that before the jt was short he was 20 and 4 with like an 83 percent win percentage like one of the best coaches of all time and then ever since that moment, his win percentage has been like 63%. I think that's the same thing, uh, yeah, that I saw that I was referencing, yeah. Very different. Yeah, exactly. Now, just to, you know, play a little devil's advocate, I guess, uh, I also saw somebody said Brian Kelly in year seven went yeah. four and eight, uh, but now we see him beating Clemson. So is it worth, you know, waiting it out and hoping that we actually, you know, reach the promised land, or do we, you know play the roulette wheel again uh yeah that's a i mean that's a good question you know notre dame and i I think notre dame is always the school that michigan should be compared to the most they're not they don't they don't approach things the same way as ohio state geographically they're up against it when you compare them to like alabama or you know florida teams of the past or clemson now or florida state and whatever they, they don't have the recruiting grounds of those of those schools. It's just different. I think Notre Dame is a very easy comparison. They're the tradition, the old school, the do things the right way for the most, you know, on the surface, um, the academics, the location. I mean, it's just the it's the easiest comparison. And Brian Kelly has, you know, had had Notre Dame in the playoff and they're in the driver's seat to get there again this year. So. That's an interesting question. I would look deeper than that, you know, not just like where was he at in year seven in that four and eight season. Like, was he winning on the road against ranked teams? Was he winning as an underdog once in a while? Was he holding serve at home against teams that he shouldn't lose to? I mean, like, it's deeper than that, I think, and they've recruited similarly as well. Um, Offensive line recruiting and development has been outstanding at Notre Dame. I think that's a big, big part of what they do. Probably defensive line, too, has been a little bit, eh, it's probably been close to on par with Michigan. Michigan has put some good defensive linemen in the league, but I think you got to look at a lot of different things. But I, yeah, that's a tough one. I I hate the Dabo Sweeney comparison. That that one's just that's too that's too different. You know, took Dabo whatever it was six or seven years before he was winning an ACC championship or some I don't know I don't know the exact number, but it's close to that. Um, but the yeah, man, four and eight in year seven. I, I guess I didn't realize it was that far into his uh, tenure that they did. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago, but uh, that's an interesting one. I, I, I'm, I'm personally, <laughs> I'm over the Harbaugh experiment. I just am, you know, in, in, in the way this, oh, there's a lot to that, but I'm, I think it's time for a change. 
I, I think the, the Brian Kelly thing is honestly, it's, it's in a, it's not a good, com- it is a good comparison because it's Notre Dame, but the fact that he went four and eight in year seven is not a good comparison because he had already went 12 and one and had a national title appearance uh, before that. So if Jim Harbaugh, if, even if we were one and two right now, and Jim Harbaugh had went to the college football playoff in 2016, maybe uh, won a Big Ten title in, in 2018 too, nobody would give a shit. It'd be like, all right, it's fine. We're going to produce some of these guys. Next year's recruiting class is really good, blah, blah, blah. Like, the future is here. But the, it's the fact that he hasn't won any of those games, and it's, he's regressed in every year, and that's why he's like – that's why the fans are revolting. It's because he hasn't produced shit. And, um, and it's going, going downhill. So I think the Brian Kelly thing, I get it. Cause it's a four and eight season and in between, you know, good, good and good. Um, it, but it, it's just, if, if Jim Harbaugh, even if Jim Harbaugh, like after this year is, um, say, say after the year 2020, Jim Harbaugh is two and four against Ohio state, which is not a good record against the team. People would love him, love him. He'd be the greatest coach in the history of Michigan football because they would have went maybe not better than Bo, but like in, in recent years, obviously, and people would be going nuts over him going to the Big Ten championship, finally beating Ohio State. He would not even have to have a winning record versus Ohio State for him to be getting a big ass contract extension and love from Michigan fans for the rest of ever. It's it's a really it. And, like, I, I'm not giving – it's not sympathy because, like, Jim Harbaugh was brought to Michigan. I mentioned earlier how every year in, in football there's, like, that one or two guys that you got to go get. He was that guy. When they, I mean, like, there's no question. Michigan hired – he was – I mean, he was that guy. I mean, Michigan fans were, like, you know, throwing parades and shit. It was, like, the biggest deal ever that Michigan was able to land him. Um, so he's supposed to come in and compete, but you know, you talk about if he was just two and four against Ohio state, like there's probably two teams in the whole country who's plays Ohio state six times and wins twice. Maybe like seriously, Clemson and Alabama might be it. I don't know if any team in the country is beating them two or three times when you play them six times. So that's not, that's not me necessarily defending it. It's just like, it's kind of a perfect storm. Like Michigan's a little bit down right now. Harbaugh seems to have lost something. He can't quite figure it out. And Ohio state, by the way, is the best they've ever been and recruiting better than anybody in the country, not named Clemson and Alabama. And actually they've been like better than them last year. And I think this year, so it's, it's again, perfect storm. Owen six would, I mean, there's nobody picking Michigan to beat Ohio state this year. So it's going to be Owen six. How do you defend that? If that's not Jim Harbaugh, he doesn't even get a chance to get to Owen six in my opinion. So it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it just feels like a change is needed and they could go out and get a, again, you could go out and hire any number of 30 coaches to get six cracks at Ohio state. And you probably don't beat them very much because they're really freaking good, but that's what he was brought here for. And that's what everybody thought they were getting when he was hired in 2016, 2014. Sorry. (laughs) And, and it's honestly like, again, the sympathy card, I don't think he deserves it, but a little bit he does because a couple bounces go different ways and his entire tenure is different. The, the Michigan state punt is different. 
Michigan State doesn't win the Big Ten title that year, and Michigan's in the race probably going into uh, the Ohio State game at the end of the year in his in year one for him. So, like, it's already off to a great start. Um, obviously, JT was short. Even even in 2017 versus, uh, versus Ohio State, if John O'Corn doesn't throw the worst interception of all time, they could win a football game with fucking John O'Corn at quarterback against Ohio State. Uh, you know, and so like, and then in 2018, they go into Ohio state and then get their ass kicked. But like, they're in a position there at the, in the last game of the season to go to a big 10 title game game, which is all you can ask of a coach, right. Is to give yourself, give yourself a chance at the end of the season. So as, as shitty as it's been, because they have came up short and every single one of those opportunities, they've been right there and a couple of different games go different ways. Um, and, and we're talking about Jim Harbaugh in a completely different, different tone. And so that's where it's like, I, I do think there's some sympathy there. It's just like, damn, you can, as a coach, you can only control so much. You can't control that long snapper, you know, having a bad snap and, and the punter just throwing it to the side. Like you, you, you can't control that. You can't control the date JT was short. Um, you can't control John. You, he probably did as much as he could with John O'Corn. And I mean, that was like literally the worst throw I've ever seen in my life. So, um, as much as he, he can control, I just think that like, he's done a pretty damn good job to put a team on the field that can compete with most every team. And, and so, um, the problem is that in the past two years, it's gone really, really downhill. And so that's why people are done with it. So um, I don't even have a question here. That was just me ranting. So <laughs> anybody can anybody can comment you, on that. You had you had me sold on Harbaugh after that, man. I'm st- keep him around, extend him, give him a 20 year contract. Let's go. <laughs> deal, lifetime deal. <laughs> he was re- wasn't that like the the rumor for that was yeah. like two years ago. That was the rumor. Jesus Christ, think about how that was not that long ago, man. That was not that long ago. You remember that 2018 season, right? Yeah. We were coming, you know, that was the revenge tour, right? I mean, oh, yeah. we were all hyped. We were like, wow, this team, for whatever reason, they got some steam. They look unstoppable. We were, like, favored going into Ohio State yeah. for the first time since, like, 2000. And we all thought, like, let's go. This is it. This is Jim's shot. And then we just got absolutely demolished. I remember just, like, standing up crying looking at the TV so I mean, dude, I was, I was at, at freaking uh, Buddy's yeah, Pizza. Buddy's Pizza. I was just hammered off too hard and just bawling my eyes out because we were favored to win that game and just blew it, man. What a just what a heart because they lost to Notre Dame game one and won ten straight games going into Ohio State favored in Columbus. I mean, it, it was like as a Michigan fan, I was like, this is the dream. We're gonna beat Ohio State and do it in Columbus. This is gonna be amazing, and then just ripped my heart out of my chest, man. And it, it's been downhill ever since then. Fun yeah. fact, I was in South Bend for game number one that was a loss and in Columbus for game number 12 that was a loss. So, you need to stop going um, to fucking yes. Maybe it's my Stay home. <laughs> it's definitely my fault. But I was at most of the wins in between, so I, I have to take credit for those too. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Jesus. I, I just it, – it's just such a, like um, – I don't even know how to put it. It's so unexplainable, right? Like Brandon, you're trying to explain where his head is at. You're trying to explain 
where all these losses come from, where, how, like how the, you know, it just hasn't panned out and the whole thing is unexplainable. So for like, I like, we're coming to you as the expert analyst and, and I don't think that anybody out there can explain it. Sam Webb, who literally, you know, is good friends with Jim Harbaugh and talks to him all the time. He gets on the radio every day and can't explain it either. So I, I don't know. I don't know who to ask. I don't know. To, I don't know who to turn to for any explanation. And I don't think there's a right answer either as far as like go for somebody else. Cause you talked about, actually, let's ask you about this. Cause you, I saw your article on the timetable as mm-hmm. well. Right. For, so if after 2020, which every single fan apparently wants him gone after 2020, right. Tell us about the timetable for them to try and find a new coach for 2021. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and, and just to, that challenge what you said even if even if you don't want him gone like coaches don't finish their contract you don't just be like here's my seventh year i'm done see you later like you can't do that so it's not even about like wanting him or not wanting him like it's shit or get off the pot time with him with his contract like especially with as important as recruiting is in college football and as competitive as michigan is on the recruiting trail with the other big boys they need every advantage they can get to pull those kids that also have Clemson and Alabama and Ohio state and Georgia and, you know, all these Notre Dame, all these other options, you can't have a coach sitting there with an expiring contract. So wherever you fall on the, I want Jim Harbaugh, I don't want him. It's not, that's not even really the point. It's the, the point is that his contract is expiring. So you can't, you can't just let him finish this year and then go into 2021 as the guy still and not have a plan in place. So the timeline is kind of crazy because I've already said there's no way that he's I'll, – I'll say – I think there's even less of a chance. There's no way Ward Manuel just fires him. I, I mean, if they get beat by Wisconsin this week and he still shows up on Monday for his press conference, that pretty much confirms for me that he's not getting fired. He, he just – he's not. He's going to be able to stay as long as he wants, and that's that's that. I think it's just about as unlikely that he walks away on his own without another job already – lined up I don't like that would be him conceding uh, admitting that he can't get it done at Michigan admitting that he can't beat Ohio State admitting that he can't win a Big Ten title I don't think he's got that in him even if he believes it I don't think he can show that like I'm just done I'm quitting I'm going away plus he's not that old he's only 56 I'm sure he wants to continue coaching but if you quit a job like Michigan when you're when you played at Michigan and you're from Michigan a lot of other places are going to say like I, he might just not have it anymore. He's about to hang the whistle up for good. So I, I just don't think that, you know, optics-wise, I don't think he can do that. So then you start to say, okay, then then you need to then what needs to happen is you need to wait for an NFL team to give him a job. Michigan's last regular season game is December 12th against Ohio State. I expect that to be an absolute bloodbath. So that's going to look awful. So then they'll play one more meaningless, you know, ninth game against the third or fourth team, maybe fifth team. God. Fifth team in the West. See how that goes. Lots riding on that one. I'm sure they'll be fired up to play that ninth game. And then, so that's December 19th. And the NFL season ends on January 3rd. So for a team to offer, for an NFL team to offer Jim Harbaugh a job, it's not the, like the earliest it could probably happen is like the fourth, the Monday, the fourth. Um, Probably later than that, though, if I mean, if you think about how these things work and working out deals and ironing out the contracts and stuff. So you're now into like the first or early part, early second part of the week, early second week in January. 
where, you know, the other teams across the country who don't have a problem firing their coach mid-year or are going to ax him as soon as double zeros hits on their last game on the 12th or the 19th, where I can't remember exactly where all the conferences end. I think most of them it's the 19th because the playoff committee picks their teams on the 20th. So the like the 20th is the last day. That's that's the last day for college football because that's when the playoff teams will be picked. So on the 19th and the 20th, you're going to have college teams across the country cutting their coaches loose. So they're going to have from the 20th till at the very earliest, January 4th, to have a jump start on Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, if if that's how it ends up playing out. Maybe they don't even fire him and they do extend him and he's here again. I don't know. But if, if they do move on from him after this year, that's the earliest that it's going to be because I don't think Ward Manuel is going to fire him and Jim's not going to leave on his own. So that means you've got from December 20th to January 4th minimum where everybody else across the country can go grab Luke Fickle, can go grab Matt Campbell, can go grab Bruce uh, Brent Venables, can go grab Tony Elliott while Michigan's sitting there, sitting on their hands waiting for something to happen. And, th- and then what? Then you, all right, let's extend Jim three more years and see what happens. I, I just think like the timeline is going to be bad. Uh, the options potentially could be bad at that point, especially when there's not like really a home run guy to begin with. Um, and I, I don't really think Michigan should settle in, in some of those options might be settling and certainly would be viewed that way by a lot of fans. So it's just, it's a, it's a bad timeline for how I think things are going to play out. Now I'm like, I'm making a lot of guesses here and there certainly are a lot of moving parts and a lot of it's hypothetical, but if you guys disagree or think anything I said sounds stupid, let me know. Cause that's how I see it going. No, I, I honestly think Michigan fans should just be getting ready to have Jim Harbaugh as their coach in 2021 and probably beyond honestly. And so I know that like going on social media, I know you guys do too. And it's like, literally the whole talk is like Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle. Everyone's just talking about who should we get next? And I think everyone should just prepare to not be having that conversation or yeah, you can keep having that conversation, um, but you'll have it in 2021. You'll have it in 2022. Um, As long as, as Ward is the AD, I just don't think that he's going to make a move. It's his buddy. Um, it, it's all this stuff, you know, Larry Lage talked about it, uh, on our last podcast. And he just thinks that this administration still backs this team. So, um, prepare yourselves fans. Like, uh, I, we're preparing ourselves and, and I think we, we could be in for a long, another three, four years or something, if that's the case. And so, um, yeah. And, and so I, we've talked about Harbaugh long enough now, and I feel like it's like... I got one thing. I have one all thing. All right, go for what's, it. <laughs> what's his legacy if he finishes 0-10 against Ohio State? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Honestly, the whole decade? Bring a new definition to the 10-year war, huh? <laughs> That's I mean, true. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you've got to... I mean, if you're, if you're going 0-10 against Ohio State, you at least have to have a winning record against Michigan State. And too bad, too bad Notre Dame's not on the schedule anymore. I mean, you don't have another rival that you can really talk about beating. So, I mean, he's five like Brandon, like you said earlier, he's 500 against other big name teams. He doesn't really have a dominant record against anybody that matters. So, I don't know. It's not good. Yeah, that almost makes me think of like what Joel Klatt always talks about in terms of like the Michigan tradition, right? I mean, he's always talking about like, your expectations are way out of whack with reality. 
right? Michigan is not a, you know, 12 and one team. It's a nine and three team and you've got a nine and three coach. So you're right where you need to be. So I would almost say if he went 0 and 10 versus Ohio State, it would almost be time for us as fans to reevaluate our expectations for the program. What's in your guys' opinion? I've been asked this a lot, and I've thought about it. And I'm actually not great at recall. Like you guys are better than me at that already. I can tell you're like, oh, in 2016, this happened. I'm like, fuck, I was there. I don't even remember that. But anyway, what's what's Jim Harbaugh's best win? Is it Notre, Notre Dame? Notre Dame last, last year. I think so too. And like, what? Cool. Like a random middle of the season, like yeah, it was, I mean, a, either, it was a great game. I'd say either that or Florida in that bowl game in the first bowl game, twenty fifteen. Or the, the other one that the other one that comes to mind is at Michigan State, uh twenty eighteen, I believe, when they were yeah. they, that was like his first ranked on the road win, which Michigan State ended up not good, but um it was <laughs> real at the time. <laughs> yeah. Was that Peppers taking the two point conversion yep. back? Yeah. Um, I mean yeah. that that one felt like okay, turned a corner, state's yeah. done. That it had that feel like opponent wise, yeah, it wasn't like oh man, they beat that team. That's a, that's amazing. But I yeah, I'm I'm with you. I would think probably the yeah probably the Notre Dame game last year, the first Florida Bowl win, and then Wisconsin when it was like a top ten or fifteen matchup, the Jordan Lewis you know one hand, and then that state game. Those are the only four that you kind of like kind of can hang your hat on and they're just not that great like they're good wins he I, I i think you can make an argument he doesn't have one great signature win in his whole time at michigan and that's like how is that possible in five and a, five and a half seasons that's the crazy thing that, the thing that makes me that blows my mind of how that's not possible is how many big games does michigan play in Every game ends up as a big win because they are Michigan, right? It's either prime time or they're ranked too high and it's a top 10 game. Like he's had so many opportunities and he's fallen short on nearly all of them. And so that's what is more like that. That's what stands out more to me um, because it's not like, you know, Michigan State has two big games every year. You know, let, let's say prior to Mel Tucker and D'Antonio's last year, they had two big games all year, and it was usually Ohio State and Michigan, right? And, and so that's not the case for Michigan. They Every first game of the year, like when they play at Notre Dame or they play at Ohio State, Penn State's a big game every year, uh, uh, Michigan State's a big game. They have four to five big games every year and chances for Harbaugh to have signature wins, and he's fallen short in – the majority of those. Yeah. And over uh, as an underdog. And I, Michigan's not an underdog a lot, but that, that one to me too. Like every every coach in the country, like literally has a couple. I mean, you know, even like like a shitty Kansas team or like Iowa State a couple of years. You know, Matt Campbell, if you want to talk about him, he's beaten Oklahoma. He's beaten TCU. He's beaten, you know, like every he's beaten team. Every, every team in the Big 12, I believe, yeah. actually. Every coach out there has a couple. I mean, I mean, teams are underdogs for, for a reason. They're not as good as the other team. So generally they go the other way. But every coach has got a couple. He's got none. I mean, that to me is another just a, a huge detriment to what you – however, for, for the people that are still defending him, I just don't know how you can defend a, a handful of those key things. The 0-6 against Ohio State, even though they're amazing, the 0 for as an underdog – and the, the no signature wins, the the 500 against Michigan State, the four bowl losses in a row, like 
Those are just all the marquee things you would put up on a coach's resume. He gets a big red X instead of a green check for me. And that's that I, I don't know how you can still be on board with that in year six. Well, whether we like it or not, he is coaching this week against Wisconsin. Um, and so Michigan uh, is hosting the Badgers in a night game, prime time. Still no fans, obviously. Uh, but let's do a little prediction uh, here for for Michigan versus Wisconsin. Obviously, we still, as we talked about before, don't know a ton about Wisconsin. Um, but we do know a lot about Michigan, I guess, at this point, and not a not a lot of it's good. So um, I'll start with Jack. Jack, what's your prediction for this weekend? All right, boys, I'm gonna do my best. No, I'm not. Okay, I'm 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 full fandom again. I'm full back on the fandom. Wisconsin oh hasn't played in two weeks. They played it. They beat down the Illinois team that sucks. Okay, they did the same thing to Illinois that we did to Minnesota. I think these teams are more evenly matched than – I mean, the spread shows it. That Wisconsin's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Milton improves again. I'm hoping Josh Gaddis realizes this is a pass-first team and gets Milton out of the pocket a little bit, you know, maybe on first and second down, rolling out, um, finding some receivers, giving him an option to run if he needs to. I think Milton has a big game. I think Mertz has a big game. And uh, I see both teams scoring in the 40s. Man, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And I'm hoping that Michigan can keep the keep the tradition of beating Wisconsin at home and they come out with a victory. All right, Kalen, what's up? What do you got? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. So uh, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be totally demolished, but – you know, I, I got to see the capability of the secondary to actually deal with Graham Mertz throwing the ball at you. So uh, I, I think, you know, they might figure out a little bit of something on offense, score some points, but I'm looking at 31-21 Wisconsin. Yeah, I'll give mine here and we'll we'll end it with Brandon, but I, I think mine's more on Kalen's. I think that Wisconsin's probably not, they're not going to score as much as they did on Illinois because Illinois is that bad. Like as bad as Michigan's look, they're not Illinois bad. Um, but I still think they're going to exploit Michigan's secondary. Uh, they might be Illinois bad. Who knows? <laughs> At this point, it feels like they are. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, I do think Milton Milton figure, figures it out a bit. I don't think they. Uh, I think they come up short. Um, I'm going to say. I, I'm going to say twenty. 8-17, because um, I think Wisconsin's defense is pretty damn good. So, um, all right, Brandon, what do you got? Yeah, it's, to me, it's like, you know, where's this – we asked the question earlier, where's Jim Harbaugh's head? Where's this Where's this team's head? I mean, is, is have they packed it in now because of how bad it's been and who they've lost to and how it's looked and how frustrating it must be? You know, missing a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who is, you know, one of the emotional leaders of the defense. And you saw him pregame, I think, both weeks. Um, I didn't see it during the Minnesota week, but just getting everybody juiced up and fired up. And he's obviously not going to be out there. Um, I'm with Kalen. Until uh, I see I'm I said after I picked him to beat Michigan State, everybody picked him to beat Michigan State. I was like, how the hell did that happen? Okay, there's it, this is Michigan and Indiana. There's a reason they haven't won in 33 years. There's a reason why Michigan sends guys to the league and Indiana really doesn't. Like, 
Michigan's not going to let that shit happen. Like, it was so bad against Michigan State. There's no way those coaches do that stuff again. It just can't happen, and it did. So after the Indiana game, I said, I'm, I'm not going to be duped again. Like, they have, they have fooled me for the last time. So until it looks so different, I'm picking them to lose. Like, against teams with a pulse, anyway. And I, you could say, the Michigan State thing just blows. I just go back to that every week. <laughs> they lost that team. Like, how does that happen? They got drilled by Iowa by, like, 50. How does They're Michigan gonna, lose to that team? Michigan State, I think, is honestly going to go 1-7. And yes. they're going to hang their hat on that one Michigan win. So I, you know, I, I do think some guys will be ready to run through a brick wall. I think some guys are going to be like, hey, we, I'm, I just don't have any, anything left to give. I know that's bad to say, fourth game of the season. But Wisconsin, 34, Michigan, 24. That's what I see. You guys don't think Wisconsin's scoring 40? The faith you have in this Michigan defense is, is beautiful, and it, and it really gets me excited for this game. <laughs> I will have one hot take. My one hot right, take. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're gonna we're gonna go one more round for zero to ninety. You okay. gotta save it for that. Okay, um, good. I'm trying to wait. What did they score on Illinois? Forty-five. And also, I didn't give a score prediction. I said in the forties. I'm gonna say Michigan forty-five, Wisconsin forty-two. That's my score prediction. I don't know, man. I, I just, I'm with, you're, you're on an island here because nobody <laughs> fucking believes in this team, dude. Nobody believes At in this At least team. I know Wisconsin's going to score 42. That's a guarantee. I just, I'm hoping for the Michigan getting up there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. We, let, let's do it. Let's do it. We are, we're pretty long in this one. So, uh, Brandon, do you know what the deal is for zero to 90? Did we do that last time with you? I do not. That is new to All me. Right. So basically, um, it's a it's a it's a hot take, thirty seconds. You get to just kind of spit out whatever's on your brain. It can be it can be about Michigan. It can be about Harbaugh. It can be about sports in general. It can be we've had some about ice cream. You can do been, literally anything you want. So um, doing that ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically zero to ninety minutes at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll start with we'll start with us and then we'll we'll end with you so you can have a little time to think on it. So Jack, are you ready with yours? I am. All right, your zero to ninety starts now. All right. So every every week tailgating, watching the game at least first half, I've been drinking beer. It's we're in the game four now. Michigan's you know we're not really sure what's going on. We need to do anything we can do. And once I started drinking liquor last game, Michigan kind of started to heat things up and get things rolling. So I'm going to uh, switch to liquor for this game. I'm going to start drinking bullet <laughs> right at kickoff. And uh, like I said, Michigan, I'm going to double down. Michigan 45, Wisconsin 42. The liquor is going to keep us going. And uh, Michigan win. Big win Saturday night. I like it. I like it. I, I did tweet it out at halftime of Indiana that if you hadn't switched to liquor by then, like you you better start because it's not going to get any better. So I like that. Um, that could be the key to victory. It could be. Could be. We'll see. All right, Kalen, what do you got for us? Your zero to ninety starts now. Yeah, well, I know that I said Wisconsin would win the game, final score thirty-one twenty-one, but I do think that there will be something good in the secondary. I think they will get one turnover in the secondary. So that's a, that's a hot take. Uh, <laughs> Jack, good luck remembering the game. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be blacked out I, at halftime and after we watch it on Sunday. <laughs> they're going to give him some opportunities. So I, I think that's uh, it's not a bad take. And they had, I mean, they had what two drop picks against Indiana, I think. So um, I, it's not, it's not a bad take. Um, all right. Who's got me here? All right, bro. You ready? Yep. Your zero to 90 starts now. All right. So I think that Joe Milton had some really good momentum going in the second half of Indiana. He threw that bad interception uh, first. Obviously, he had the second one that was just a, a Hail Mary that uh, they came down with. I think he's going to start moving in the pocket like we talked about, Brandon, earlier. They're going to have him on scrambles, on, on bootlegs and everything else. He's going to start working. I think that Joe Milton throws for 300 plus again and it'll i think that'll be what three games in a row that he's scored uh or no yeah. i don't know i think so but yes yeah, yeah so i think that's gonna be and that's gotta be a michigan record for the past i don't know how many years um so i think joe milton's gonna gonna start uh moving the ball here and, and that this wide receiver crew is gonna get it together um, I still think the defense isn't good enough to hold them to, to that many points. Um, I, th- I think Joe Milton looks pretty good, which uh, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, goes against my score prediction that I literally just said. Um, but fuck it. So um, I don't know. He's going to look good. So, thanks, guys. Yeah, that was that was really good by me. I'm really, really good at this prediction stuff. You're really good. Um, man. All right. All right. Brandon, you ready? You got something for us? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down a little bit of advice for you young bucks, okay? This is not really a hot <laughs> thing. I'm sure you've been hearing it your whole life, but having a kid is no <laughs> fucking joke. No joke. <laughs> talked about it. Talked about why I couldn't get on the podcast before. Look, dude, my son, I'm a, I'm a brag right now. As a, my son is the man, dude. He's the man. Look at that oh, kid. Yeah. There you go. He's wear in this picture. He's wearing a shirt. It's a Michigan shirt, if you can see it. It says Brown number one on the back that my uncle got for me when I was born. So that's dope. But that is- game time comes on. He wants to yell and cry. Want to go to bed at night and do some work? He wants to yell and cry. <laughs> Want to get on a podcast with you guys? He wants to yell. And cry. No, like I'm being kind of silly, but like, dude, it. You know, you you, you hear all the time, like it's it's a life changer it's amazing it's not that amazing kind of sucks a lot. <laughs> uh there, it's there, it's filled with some amazing flashes but like these people who are all about like it's a it's a change that's horseshit it's not like oh, <laughs> like doing this like oh it's amazing like that's that's a small small <laughs> sliver of what to do love my son wouldn't change a thing make sure you're ready Fellas, you fellas there, make sure you're ready. That's it. I, I told you guys by the end of this episode, Brandon was going to be hammered. And he, and he, was, he said, it's party time, man. Listen, we got him loose like, now. I have, like, this internal conversation with myself all the time. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, what? Why? What, who talked us into this? Like, seriously? But, no, I mean, like. And then you, and then so you have all that. You have all that, like, where you want to just, like, I literally want to, like, flee the country. And then he like looks at you and says "dada" like once, and you're like, "All right, it's it's dope." But <laughs> I don't. You guys, none of you have kids, I don't believe, right? And so just no, uh, not yet. Your shits in a make sure your shits lined up before <laughs> you do. That. 
My timeline just got extended about five years before I'm having a kid. So yeah, thank speaking you. of contract extensions, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, all right, that might have been our greatest zero to ninety ever. That was beautiful. Thanks, Brandon. So um, you can follow you can follow Brandon for more of that content at uh, at BSB Wolverine on Twitter. Um, I believe you're Coach Brown three on Instagram. Is that right? Yep. And and you've been doing you've got a little uh, plug your shoe thing here. You you've been doing some custom cleats here too. Yeah, so th- it's just kind of random how it started. Like last fall, I was actually supposed to do a pair for Andre Selden, who's now a freshman at Michigan. He was at Belleville. Belleville was the number one team in the state. He gave me a pair. He's like, dude, I want to wear these for the state championship. And then they got upset by Brighton, so they didn't make it. So oh, and then he was. Yeah. So then he was an early enrollee. He's now at Michigan. He's wearing Jordan brand. You know, he doesn't need a pair. He's probably got 50 pairs of cleats now. So I had his cleats like forever just sitting in my basement. Like, what am I going to do with these things? (laughs) I I gave them to someone else. um, And then they they just kind of took off. So that kid's friend hit me up. This kid's friend hit me up. So now I've done a couple pairs at Cast Tech, a couple at King, one at West Bloomfield. Kind of, you know, it just turned out to be a pretty cool thing. It's something I've always been into the, you know, the my cause, my cleats thing in the NFL, I think is really cool. Now they're guys are wearing them like every week. It used to just be like one specialized week where they would wear the custom shoes. But, you know, I've got an art background, blend that in with my football background a little bit. And it just it's something that's pretty cool. Hope to get it on the big stage, man. Talking to you, Mike, on Wenu, he's probably not going to see this, but he's supposed to send me a pair. <laughs> he keeps ghosting me on Twitter, but um, Amber Thomas is supposed to do so. It's just, yeah. Uh, I decided to call it Coach's Customs. I don't know if that'll stick or not because I've been using Instagram more for it, and that's been my Instagram name since I was coaching back in 2000, whatever, 8, 9, 10. Um, yeah, pretty cool thing. Make a little side money and, you know, see what happens. Well, you're right. lucky that uh, Mike is an avid listener. He he and Bill, uh, Mr. Belichick, sit down every, <laughs> every every time a new episode comes out and they listen. So you're lucky. Well, Michael, Michael, make sure to get those to you. Also do a pair of cleats for Anwenu and a custom hoodie for Bill. So I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, we'll, no, I'm kidding. That's, uh, that was <laughs> would love to see that. Would love to see that. Yeah. Really supposed to do a pair for Mike, though. He was all about it. Actually, do I have a second? I got a second. This is Mike Onwenu's cleats right here. He gave me these to do for him in the summer oh, before he moved to a Boston area. I'm not sure where he lives. These were the cleats he got at the Combine. They're not 370-pound lineman cleats. They're like, you know, Speed Vapor, Nike Jets, whatever. Like for a, <laughs> But they're size like 16. He's never going to wear them. But I'm supposed to do something with them. Just haven't got around to it. But now that he's like starting he's like dude i want i want like a real pair that i'm gonna wear in the game so hoping hoping he sends me those and eventually i'll get those back to him too but yeah i appreciate the platform there to talk about it's pretty cool it's been fun to do yeah and so that's your that's your side gig but you're you're full-time now the publisher of wolverinedigest.com so you can go check out his articles um he's got eric rudder who's our guy he's been on on our podcast here too doing articles for him there as well um, and then, like I said, at BSB Wolverine. So go follow him on Twitter. Um, thanks for listening. You can follow us at Blue by 90 on Twitter and Instagram uh, and Facebook. And then at Blue by 90 podcast on YouTube as well, where we post uh, some videos there, too. So follow us uh, on Apple, Spotify and everything else, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Um, thanks for listening and go blue. Go blue. Go blue.